Do you know what this is, Jason? You don't know Seriously? this song? Oh, I know this song. Oh my god, you have you been to a wedding? I was about to say. <laughs> you wanna go do it? I don't need to go so much. Jason, you don't know me, but I'm a wise ass. I gotta deal with him. Mm. Are you gonna be a countdown here, killer? Civil Group, Real Estate and Ramblings, Episode 9. Everybody, we're celebrating one year. One year Shouldn't there of be podcasting. Shouldn't there be 12 and not 9 if it was in a year? Yeah, we didn't get enough in for Slacker. One, one a month. So, obviously, apropos, we have chosen Celebration. And Jason actually knew the one song we picked since it is played at weddings, Rob says, which is true. Uh, and do you know who sings it, Jason? No, Cool in the gang. <laughs> and I chose it because of the celebration of a year, but also because we have Mr. Cool joining our gang oh today. There you go. Really? Yeah, I thought really? that. You like that? That is good. That's thought about that so, all night? Yeah, all night. It took you all night to figure that out, though, right? So I'm not sure what's more impressive. Me actually surviving a whole year of having been stuck in this podcast room with you, Michael, monthly, or actually only nine times, as you pointed out. You're great at math. I have. I am. Or the fact that Jason has pulled the stats on this podcast, and we actually have more than just our families listening, which is shocking. So what, seven people? So more than one. just my mom. There you go. There, Rob listened to one. Cool. In preparation. <laughs> How awful is this going to be? I needed to, get, what am needed I to understand what I was getting myself into. So anyway, we're pleased to have our friend and colleague, I guess some say our boss, Rob Floor, here with us today. Rob is Senior Vice President, Director of Development and Construction at the Goldenberg Group. We're currently working with Rob at Madison Estate, a new construction community in Ambler. Little known fact, Rob hates realtors, which he <laughs> reminds us of every day. I do hate realtors. So we doubly appreciate Rob being here today amongst us realtors. Let's clarify. <laughs> I like realtors that do it for a living. I don't like realtors that... Hobbyists? Yeah, hobbyists. Yeah. yeah, Michael calls those hobbyists. Yeah, that's a great word. I'm going to use that from our hobbyists. hobbyist realtors. We're not fans either. Yeah. So we're all in the same boat. So, Civil, you want to start off our peppering of Rob? Well, Rob... Um, we first met at Haverford Reserve, but you weren't with the Goldenberg Group um, when we started at Haverford. No. You came on. Where'd you come from? I was at, where was I? I was on my own. You're no, at, I was at Toll Brothers. You were at Toll then? I was Toll. I left Toll, came to see and came to work for Kenny. Uh, it's been nine years. Wow. Since we first met. It's incredible. It's a long time. It's a lot of houses. It is a lot of houses. How did you get started in development? I don't think I've ever asked you that question. Ooh. So... Like, did you get out of school wanting to build houses? Or so I'm like one of those weird people that knew exactly what I wanted to do oh, in high seriously? school. Oh, seriously? So I knew I wanted to be in construction from the time I was a junior in high school. So hmm. I took a mechanical drawing class in high school, realized that I like engineering and math. So I looked for colleges that had uh, a major called architectural engineering, which way, way back then. I can't believe I'm talking about 30 I years. I said way I, back then the, today in my lunch and learn, and I'm like, wow, I sound old. It's been, it's been way back Jesus, then. over 30 years since I did that. Wow. Um, University of Colorado had 
a degree in architectural engineering. At the time, there was only like 20 or 30 schools in the country that had an accredited program. Did that, interned at an architect's office thinking I wanted to be a design guy. Realized very quickly that <laughs> I did not want to be I behind a desk. Wasn't drawing for a living. So my last summer there, he got me out in the construction field and realized that I loved being out in the field and figuring out problems and being a problem solver. So graduated from college realizing that I didn't know anything about construction. So I started targeting the large builders. And since I was moving back to Philadelphia from Boulder, went to Toll Brothers and beat them down until they hired me. Nice. I was the first project manager in training ever. How many years were you at Toll Brothers? Let's see, our first stint was eight years. Then I did four years at Ryan. Then I did four years on my own. Then I did another four years back at Toll. And now I've been at wow. Goldenberg for nine. Were you a Lego kid? I was not a Lego you kid. You weren't a Lego kid. I was dying to ask you that I question. I was not a Lego no. kid. No. I was a kid. You know, we're, I'm... Lincoln Logs, I'm, none of that? <laughs> Generator Station X. My parents said, get the hell out of the house and be outside all day. Yep. So we built forts and went down to Pennypack Park because I lived in Northeast Philly and toured sewer tunnels and all mm. kinds of fun oh, stuff. The good old days. Yeah, back when we didn't have to pay attention to where we were. It just had to be home by the time the lights came on. So as a developer, what drives you? Is it the actual putting people in houses? Is it the constructing of houses? Is it the problem solving of the, you know, building the community? Community meetings. You gotta love, love those. Love community <laughs> meetings. Very happy at community <laughs> meetings. You have to have thick skin to be a developer. Um, I would tell you that I probably relish the problem solving more than anything else. My family hates it because every time they have an issue, I try to solve it. But um, it is cool to drive by and see all the communities that we've built or I've built or had a part part in building over the years. Um, again, my kids hate it as we drive down the street. Hey, I did that one. Hey, I you know, let's drive through here. Nah, they uh, are not interested in having conversations with me about that. As a matter of fact, my son's graduating from college and I told him that he should look at, you know, one of the national builders like I did. Mm, he might. I was, that was, Michael and I were talking about that. We were going to ask you that. Is, are any of your kids kind of looking at developing and building based on your experience? Um, probably not. Interesting. <laughs> probably not. Isn't that funny know, how that happens? Yeah, well, you know, last night, Mondays are usually late nights, and I walked in the door at 7 o'clock, and my, I have two sons at home still, and they, they basically looked at me and said, what are you doing home? It's already, it's only 7 o'clock. Why are you here so early? So my entire career, Monday nights have been pretty much late nights. So do you have a busy, like, Tuesday meeting schedule that keeps you late on on Mondays? Or it's just a... You know, at Toll, we had Manic Mondays. Mm -hmm. I don't think they do that anymore, but Bob Toll would have everybody in, and you would be there till midnight. Wow. And you would go over all your projects, then you would meet with your vice president and go over any issues that you had on site. So that by the end of the day, Monday, you had all of your information from the CEO and all your direction from your boss so that you could execute it on on the rest of the week. At uh, Goldenberg, we sit down and we go over all the projects that we have on the books. So we basically walk through what are the issues, what do we need to figure out, what's the next steps. Very similar to what we did at Toll. Wow. Are you only working on residential projects, or do you get involved with some of Goldenberg's commercial stuff? So that's one of the reasons I went to Goldenberg when I left Toll the last time is um, I um, Goldenberg does commercial, does retail, has student housing, has multifamily, uh, and has the um, for sale product. 
And because we're such a small company, we all touch that. So now I understand retail better. I now understand the student housing better. I understand multifamily. And frankly, multifamily student housing, while they are different, they're very similar in a lot of respects. You know, you still have to price it the right way. You have to market it the right way. Right. You have to make sure you're getting to your buyer profile. So it's fun. So a question that I've been thinking about for you, and I'm so interested to hear how you answer, because I think we think about real estate similarly when looking at housing for people. But the United States is a country of a lot of wide open spaces, but yet really we're short on land in the areas of where people want to live, right? I mean, it's yeah. harder and harder to develop around the cities or where people need to be. So how do you come up with uncovering your next opportunity? People like you. <laughs> yeah, the guy that hates realtors is being nice because he's sitting in our podcast exactly. room right I have now. To be nice to you. I've always you have been to nice be to you. Nice. Uh, listen, no, actually, um, what happens is is um, you have different avenues that you can go. Like now, since I've been in Philadelphia for over thirty years, I wind up having conversations, and and you know something works for somebody that doesn't that doesn't work for me, so I forward them an opportunity. If it's a if it's a large project, say like out in the, the far-reaching burbs, I'll reach out to my friends in the National Builders or somebody that's out that way. Um, if there's a project that has a lot of hair on it that they don't want to deal with environmental stuff, we have no problem dealing with that because that's how we make our that's how our niche is made. Because we the harder the problem, the the more excited Ken gets about it. So we'll we'll do the infill infill stuff that allows us to, to make the, to create the value on that project. But it's, it's really just networking and having conversations with people. And sometimes it's just driving by and making a phone call. Like where's, who owns that piece of property and mm -hmm. makes the most sense. And do we try to reach out to them and get them to have a conversation with us? Does, uh, the fact that you guys do a lot more of the infill like you're talking about and you deal with a lot more of the harder type projects, is that because you're used to being around a major metropolitan area or do all builders in some way in different areas have different things to deal with like that? So most developers have something that they have to deal with. If it's not, you know, an environmental issue or some sort of stormwater issue, it's, you know, the neighbors don't really want it, but it's <laughs> the right way, it's the right, <laughs> right use for that, for that piece of property. Um, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting situation where you're winding up again, problem solving. You have to figure out what's the highest and best use for each project. And then you have to make your best case either to the municipality and Philadelphia's case to the neighbors and then to the, to the council person. Um, in the burbs, it's usually you're, you're dealing with the, the, the solicitor and the, um, engineer. For this, for the township, and then the, the usually the commissioners or the whatever they call them. Sometimes they're different names, but basically the commissioners there. So something I wanted to ask, um, other than green siding, is is green and building still a thing? It seems like it was like really hot button uh, for a while, and it's just not. Are you incorporating any green aspects into your builds, like? Is it something that you, we just build to a certain standard and so it, things yeah. are more efficient and that's green enough? Or Depends on who you're talking to. Yeah. So Ken definitely wants to do more than what the code is. Now, the code has made a lot of steps into making it a more environmentally friendly 
situation. You know, we have the we have homes that are tighter than they've ever been. Um, you know, and that brings in positives and negatives. The tighter the house, the harder it is to you know make sure that you get fresh air in there because you want the air exchanges. Um, there's definitely a push in places like California for what they call electrification, where they're looking to get to net zero. Um, unfortunately, getting on my uh, soapbox, that actually adds cost, and cost means that the consumer pays more. And while you want to hear, while you hear about a lot of environmental efforts, you also hear we want affordable housing. Um, most of the builders that you'll talk to don't talk about affordable housing. They talk about housing affordability mm -hmm. because affordable housing means like somebody's subsidizing it or somebody's giving you money to make it cheaper for somebody down the line. Housing affordability means that we're working together to limit the amount of um, uh, regulations and things of that sort such to um, make the house more affordable for everybody around you. Yeah, affordable housing has become quite a uh, quite a push button topic. I yes. mean, I think not just around cities, but I mean, you know, we're dealing with it out in Colorado, and mm -hmm. you're dealing. You see a lot in the Midwest and the West, um, especially compared to us, where we're used to a more eclectic level of housing and housing prices. It's become a real hot button issue out in the Midwest, where they're looking at a lot more of. A, trying to get affordable housing in um or just workforce housing. Oh, workforce. well that's from workforce housing yeah even people are yeah. driving two hours outside of town because you can't afford to live in town anymore that's yeah. like well i mean we have a little bit of that at the beach you know yeah. you used to be when we were little little jesus when we were younger <laughs> younger um you would be able to go with 10 friends and go rent a house for the summer and then work and make enough money good luck doing that today yeah, you, you know can't. you can't and, you know you don't have thirty thousand dollars for a summer Nope. Or those 10 people become 15 and 20 exactly. to be able to do it. Which then causes other problems. But yeah, a lot of other problems. the workforce housing is a huge, I mean, you guys know, I have a lot of friends in, in the Denver, Denver area, and I saw your stuff for Durango, and it's absolutely a need. I know that other friends of mine who are developers out there talk about it all the time because they spend most of their time in the mountains, and the people that are servicing the mountains can't get there. And yeah, they can't, they can't afford, can't can't afford, afford it. it. Can't afford to live there either. Have you ever uh, thought about going back to Colorado? I mean, oh. every day. Yeah, every day. No, but my family's here. My, you know, everybody's that I we're friends with is all here. You know, I still try to figure out one day how do we, how do I convince <laughs> Ken, how do I convince Ken to develop out there and fly me back and forth? So, I'll keep. Working we're working on, on the same thing. <laughs> I'll keep working on that. Um, We've got Rob, ninety units in the pipeline. We can talk about. Yeah, totally. Uh, Rob, are you seeing any? trends in housing that has been different than before like what are our trends now are there any new innovations in housing that our consumers would find interesting um there's definitely more home automation like you're in new construction you're seeing a lot more home automation you're seeing more people work off of alexa off a of ring off of you do just some sort of platform that allows you to operate your blinds open up your garage door you know set your heat um and it's more streamlined where you're getting one system, um, whether it's Ring or, you know, Alexa or um, what's it called? One, I think it is. New Tone oh, or something. Oh, yeah, like. yeah, we've seen that. And it's, um, I think that's probably the biggest thing where everybody's getting used to using their Alexa. It was like with the decor at Gravers, you can, from your phone at the airport, preheat the, preheat the oven. Preheat the oven. Right. 
And yeah, I, I was kind of like blown away by that. Like, well, one, do I really? I'm driving do home. I, I really do I need to do that? Preheat the oven? Like, what am I cooking when yeah. I'm coming home from the airport? Yeah. I, yeah, some of that stuff is a little strange. But I tell you, I have a, I have a Honeywell thermostat. I have a Honeywell um, security system, and I can operate all of those from my, from my phone. Yeah. So, like, my wife would not know how to change the thermostat. She texts me and says, can you change the thermostat, please? <laughs> Because it, it becomes too complicated when you're standing in front of it trying to figure out how to run right, the right, 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 right. It really does. Yes. So do you see with this stuff becoming a little bit more mainstream, prices are coming down with this stuff, are you now able to add that into homes as a standard, or is it not quite there yet where it's still an upgrade cost to the consumer? Well, I have a friend that's the sales manager for Lutron, and we'd love to hear that everybody's doing it standard. Um I w tried for a while to get them involved in that, but um, we included standard in Madison Estate um, because I think that it's an, an opportunity to, to allow people to upgrade and to allow them to have a smart home if they'd like it. Um, we don't include like a super package, but we definitely include enough that they can build off of if they're interested in spending the money on it. And that's not something that you could have done, like even when we were doing Haverford, that was too cost prohibitive at that point to do it. Yeah. And so now was... it's come down to where it's more. And, and I don't know that it was working like it is today. Nah. Like the Caseta, that was just coming out. Like I wouldn't trust it. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually went up to Lutron and, and worked on the Caseta. Like he wanted me to take a look at it and say, what do I think as a builder? And I told him, I said, it's great, but it's really cumbersome to set up. And you got to connect them, and you got to link them, and now you just plug it in, and it's, an, it, and it's we, done. We did a bunch of it at Gravers. I have Lutron at my house, mm -hmm. which my wife was, you know, afraid, afraid, like, well, what do you, what do you mean? What happens if that button doesn't work, or the brain in the basement? Right. Like, how do I get the lights on? Right. And that's what I liked about at Gravers. If you know, you know. Otherwise, it's just a normal switch. Right. Yeah. yeah. You can just click it on and yeah. off. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Which is so we have that whole Caseta system, but we're having to produce. We had to get a whole iPad because it's like what we found, and I'm sure with builders it's different. But you can't. That's not easy to transfer all this stuff when it's all linked to. And an you register. Email. And it's all linked to an email on somebody's iPhone. Right. So the TVs, the the it's AV. It's getting that part's getting to be crazy. So we went and bought an i a Graver specific iPad. And mm -hmm. We loaded everything on there with a Graver specific Gmail, and we'll just change the password and hand it to the buyer. I will tell you that that's not something that, you know, my sales team or my construction team gets involved in. We have hired a third party that mm -hmm. knows that. And what they do is they, they have an orientation with the buyer based mm -hmm. upon what's been purchased to sit down with them and do that. What's the percentage of buyers at Madison that are upgrading all that stuff? I would say it's probably about 60 to 70% of the people do some sort of upgrade there. And some do tens of thousands and some mm -hmm. do a couple thousand. Interesting. So, yeah, it's an, it's an interesting dynamic, but I mean, it's probably the last frontier from a, from a home building standpoint, unless they get something a little bit more um, sort of innovative right. for the home building industry. Right. How about architecturally? Are we seeing more, are we looking at that more modern design now? Or as much as everybody talks about it, when, when you are producing communities, we're right back to that Everybody wants to have modern. Yeah. They talk yeah. about doing modern, and then when you start showing modern. That's what, that was my guess. You wind up going back to traditional. I would love to see more eclectic stuff in the Philadelphia area, but it's such a, 
northeast conservative yeah. group of people. I mean, my favorite design is probably a craftsman style home, mm-hmm. and you don't see them very often, mm-hmm. or a bungalow. But mm-hmm. you don't love bungalows. Yeah, you don't we see would love them here. to do bungalows. Nobody wants them here. Yeah, they, wanna, they want them. They want. They say they want them, but right. they don't want to either pay for them or put up with some of the design specifications. Well, I think depending on the generation, we've definitely noticed that people have this mindset, this such a traditional mindset that it's hard for them to think outside that box of what's going to work for them from a standpoint of housing. Right. And not everybody takes that leap as far as housing is concerned. And it's like the more we can get people to think out of the box on the East Coast, I think the more interesting some of our development can get. Yeah. And I, my hope is, is as we go forward, I'm trying to do something a little bit different that a lot of people will resist because they're they're not used to something like that. They're not used to the the modern take on a traditional house, and they they fight it. Consumer groups and and not consumers, but neighbors, they get a little upset when it's not perfectly aligned with their architecture. Well, that was going to be one of our questions as we were going through our questions for you. One of Michael said he really wanted to get to. Uh, that we have on here, so it's funny you mentioned Why neighbors. Michael? This one's blamed on Mike, Michael. Is who is harder to work with that you don't like? Realtors, attorneys, or neighbors? <laughs> <laughs> Refuse to answer those those questions. Good job, I Good myself. Job. I mean, of course, it's not realtors because I'm in company of realtors. Right. But ask me that in front of a bunch of lawyers, and I'll tell you something different. That's right. Except Simmy. We all love Simmy. Uh, don't tell her that. <laughs> Um, since we're coming to the tail end of Madison, which we've got like 10 or 11 left there, do you have any interesting projects? Anything you want to talk anything about? Anything you want to talk about right now? And we're not pushing We understand to, if you We don't. know there are some that you're not going to talk about, but is there any interesting developments or anything you're looking at or certain areas that you're looking at and maybe growing I mean, into? We obviously, you know that we're looking at Chestnut Hill. Yeah. Um, I'll leave it at that. Um, and we have a bunch of projects in the city that, you know, frankly, because of the way the world is right now, construction costs have gone through the roof, mm-hmm. financing costs have gone through the mm-hmm. roof, and, you know, what you can rent for, what you can sell for hasn't quite kept pace with that. Um, there's a couple of high-rises and some some possible hotels that nice. are somewhere out there that we hope to be able to put in the ground in the next 12 months. We'll wait, we'll wait and see, but it's um, it all depends on how the market goes. You got anything else for Rob, Michael? Thanks for joining us today, Rob, <laughs> for our celebration. I'm so glad I could celebrate with you. Nine you're, or 12, whichever it is. You're the man. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for doing this. No we problem. really Thanks had for fun, me. and, you know, we'll have to do this again. Maybe we'll get Paul and a couple other guys in here, and we do There's a whole... no way you're getting Paul in here. <laughs> yeah. No way. He'd be afraid of what he might say. <laughs> We'd all be afraid of what he might say. With all due respect. Yes. Well, thanks for joining us. We really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having Thank me. Thank you. Yeah. Wow, Jen, that was really exciting having Rob in here in the studio. So great of Rob to take time out of his busy schedule, all the developments and planning and meetings he has, spending a little time with us here in this podcast studio. Yeah, it was fun having somebody that we've worked with for such a long time come in and and be able to kind of pick his brain and share all that development knowledge with our audience. Yeah, he's a good dude. He's a really good guy. So we thank everybody for listening. We're coming into the spring market, so we wanted to get this yearly podcast out there. 
and uh, definitely contact us if you wanted to talk more about looking for new construction or if you just wanted to talk to us about maybe what you think your house might be worth. We're happy to come by and take a peek and put together our patented comparative market analysis. I mean, we can also help anybody find a new house. We're that new construction. Very good buyer agents, too. We are. Yeah. So We love showing houses. We love selling houses. That's what we do. We just love houses. <laughs> We've been doing it for a long time. Yep. But anyway, everybody, thank you for spending time with us. Thank you for listening. Listening. We hope you enjoyed the time with Rob Floor from Goldenberg Group and look forward to more ramblings from the Civil Group. If you have any questions, please feel free to DM us on Instagram at the Civil Group and we will be sure to address some things in our next podcast. And as Michael always likes to say... Concerns, comments, complaints. Concerns, comments, complaints. Please send them to jason.williams at foxroach.com. He will respond. He loves getting emails. He's really, his generation is really, really good at reading and responding to emails. And uh, we're going to dedicate this one to my dad, George T. Civil, who unfortunately left us. Seems like yesterday, but it was the ninth and uh a loyal listener i'm sure loyal, since he supported everything loyal, we did loyal listener supporter and we're gonna miss you pop thank you for listening and stay tuned for more ramblings from the civil group 